Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly, and now it's time for Eco Money, where we bring you the latest in sustainability. Now, Singapore recently announced that it will set 2050 as the year its greenhouse gas emissions reach net zero, and it's also earmarked a stronger 2030 target. The public sector will commit to achieving net zero emissions around 2045, while new developments within the Jurong Lake District will also reach net zero emissions around 2045. Now, the country's greenhouse gas emissions will reach about 60 million tons in 2030 after peaking earlier, compared with the previously envisaged 60 million tons in 2030. What does all of this mean to us? We're going to find out now. We're joined on the line by Tanwi Leong, who is the Managing Director of Energy and Industrial at Savannah Jerong. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good afternoon, Rachel, and good, good afternoon to everybody on the line. Good afternoon. Great to have you with us. So let's talk about these targets, uh, Wu Leong. What are your thoughts on the update? Um, generally speaking, I, I think a, a more aggressive target as well as a revised target are definitely welcome. But uh, where there are possibilities to accelerate the net zero emission targets, uh, we should definitely try to do so and uh, to do much more. Uh, of course, we, we understand that there are a lot of uh, different challenges uh, that presents itself in order to set those targets. But then again, uh, we, we will need to do our best uh, for the sake of human mankind. We've spoken about the government has confirmed these targets to reach net zero by 2050. But according to a study, Singapore should adopt more ambitious climate targets than even its updated goals. Two thirds of respondents saying Singapore's aim of reaching net zero by 2050 is not sufficiently ambitious. What are your thoughts on this? Are our targets aggressive enough? Like I mentioned, um, it, um, I, if you look at most of the countries today that have uh, mm. announced their net zero ambitions, uh, most are hovering around uh, the, the years of 2050 to 2060. Yeah. Now, that is a, a general trend. But uh, we need to then uh, break it down into the reality of uh, whether the, the, the how to achieve those uh, numbers uh, uh, in those years that we set. Now, there are a few areas that we need to, to be mindful of. One is uh, in order to basically hit a net zero target, we need to look into decarbonizing some of our existing ecosystems. To do so, there are fundamentally technological advances and challenges as well, because uh, clean tech, uh, energy storage, mm-hmm. including carbon capture technologies, are still undergoing technological advances and improvements. There's also new policies as well as policy shifts uh, that are necessary at a, at a national level in order to get corporate companies to basically adapt to uh, this uh, green movement that uh, everybody needs to play a part in. And that entails also potentially having some adverse effects on economic activities as well. Hence, we need to be very careful and uh, to be very prudent in terms of setting those targets. And last but not least, also on uh, global alignment. There needs to be also a global alignment in terms of uh, carbon markets as well as setting standards when we measure and calculate carbon. So that is very important as we move forward uh, in our uh, journey towards our net zero emission scenarios. And speaking of global synergy, we do have COP27 just around the corner. It is happening very soon. And I hope that uh, it will have uh, more enhanced targets and more alignment among countries 
to work together. Frankly speaking, the to hit net zero by individual country uh, requires a lot of collaborations, including within companies. If you want to hit a net zero or decarbonization target, you also need a lot of industry collaborations. This is basically a collective effort, in my view, uh, mm-hmm. between countries, between companies, between industries, cross-sectorally as well, in order to make it work. So that is, uh, I think, fundamental. So how do these new targets change things for corporates here in Singapore? I guess, uh, very importantly, um, we, we know that uh, uh, Singapore is renewably challenged and uh, a lot of our operations are very dependent on uh, power as well. We need power supply to, to run all our operations in manufacturing and so forth. Now, so one of the major important factors then to think about is then how do we green our power supply, right? So to green our power supply today, we are very dependent on grid power. And our grid power today are supplied by natural gas primarily. So in order to then do the greening of the grid, we will then need to look at options. So what are the options available today? Of course, we can put in renewable solar panels, Mm -hmm. but that, frankly speaking, doesn't tilt the needle in terms of really greening all our power supply demand. So we will then need to do it in a larger level, like what the government announced, have a regional power import, look at regional grid, as well as also explore other low-carbon alternatives like importing hydrogen and using hydrogen as one of the means to basically green our power grids, as well as also maybe for the use of our industries as well. So these are various optionalities that we need to think about. On top of that, there's also another set of uh, more hard-to-abate industries that will come into play. These hard-to-abate industries will require slightly, probably a slightly different approach as well, but not too far away from what I mentioned earlier. And that is basically even to introduce carbon capture technologies that will allow the emissions to be basically, uh, uh, we are able to basically uh, capture carbons and store them and potentially use them for for other users, including uh, making um, synthetic fuels uh, Mm. and then uh, and low-carbon construction materials as well. And you mentioned solar briefly there. Let's talk about that because I know that we don't have enough space for large-scale solar installations, but talk to us about the potential there because, you know, often when we think of buildings for the future, we look at uh, perhaps solar panels on the roofs or, you know, some kind of uh, alternative or new technology element. What does the future look like to you when it comes to the energy transition and the energy landscape here in Singapore and how that's being implemented and embedded in the current, in the current development mix? Mm. Uh, besides solar, I will look at and address this uh, question from you in a multi-dimensional mm-hmm. manner. So let's talk about solar first. So solar today, as we more accustomed to our rooftop solar, but there are also floating solars and there's also ocean floating solars as well. So this is where the trend is moving towards as well mm-hmm. in terms of utilizing our sea space and our reservoir space for implementing solar on a larger utility scale. But at the rooftop solar scale and the building level scale, we could potentially see more facade type of uh, solar panels, even vertical solar panels, as well as uh, locating them in uh, more less uh, prominent areas that we usually do so, like on top of residential now, and in future, maybe on top of more industrial facilities, which contain more hazardous uh, uh, components in them. So those are all the available roof spaces that we will try to utilize as much as possible. 
And in the longer run, we will also then look into the other possibilities or even look at geothermal energy in Singapore. Mm. Now, these are less uh, talked about, but uh, there are potentials and uh, any form of potential renewables that we can basically squeeze out of Singapore. I think we will need to look at that, right? And there's also a possibility to look at even mini hydro uh, uh, systems as well to look at how we can basically drive uh, using tidal streams, using uh, 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 water that we store to mm. drive uh, turbines in a mini scale, okay, in a mini scale. So those are all the possibilities in, in my view that could potentially help us to address some of our renewable challenge that we are facing today. It all adds up. Interesting, you mentioned geothermal. We often forget that we have a hot spring here. Uh, that's correct. Uh, in fact, as, as we speak, uh, we are collaborating with uh, our Nash- uh, Nanyang Technological University uh, and a fund uh, given by EMA to help us start to look into the potential uh, resource of uh, geothermal energy in Singapore. So we are drilling a one-kilometer borehole to the earth core to try to see as much uh, how much uh, geothermal energy resource that we can actually uh, derive at this point in time, but this early stage. That's fascinating. So it'll be interesting to see Singapore's energy mix in 10 years' time. That's exactly what we are trying to do, is to have a more uh, a renewable energy mix for Singapore. And I hope that uh, that uh, will come to reality earlier than expected. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing your thoughts. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Rachel. Thank you. We've been speaking with Tan Wu Leong, who is the Managing Director of Energy and Industrial at Savannah Jerong. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.